is waiting on fries. That you don't get it? You don't what do you mean you don't get waiting on fries? Hopefully the customer never hears waiting on fries, but all this time on the entree and it's perfectly executed and then you're it's like ready Fuck, to go. I forgot to fire the fries. I just always use that when I forgot to put somebody's order in and I was like, hey, I'm just waiting on the fries. It's gonna be two more minutes. Realistically, I come back 10 minutes with the food. Exactly. <laughs> Today, we're taking a trip down in Nolita, one of the many charismatic neighborhoods in New York City. Brenton Land is an owner-operator that's full of character, hard work ethic, and understands that we've been taking the bar a bit too seriously. We'll jump into talking about booking parties and removing barriers, renovations, and understanding that if you don't adapt, you'll eventually die. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Toast. Are you struggling to keep up with your product mix? Are you missing key analytics to run your business better and more efficiently? Toast POS makes streamlining your business easy. And what's better? Use our link in the show notes to get a demo with no strings attached. And if you do move over to the Better POS, we'll send you back $500 after your first few months of using Toast. Nolita is one of the most unique neighborhoods in all of New York in the sense that it's exactly like the rest of New York, um, but it's like, it's way more expensive. It's the, it's like one of the highest priced out neighborhoods with the highest concentration of scumbags possible as well. So I took a photo. That's a graph and a half. I, I took a photo. It, like that Venn diagram is hard. Um, I took a photo a couple months ago where outside of the coffee shop next door, there was a woman. Um, having her work from home office meeting, sitting outside with her laptop set up on one side of the bench. On the other side of the bench, there was a crackhead just passed out. <laughs> yeah, two extreme opposites. <laughs> and I was like, man, your meeting is real contingent on that guy not waking up before this is over. <laughs> and he was just laid the fuck out. But that was like, that's Nolita. It's like, yeah, you want to live a bougie life, but we have a methadone clinic and a homeless shelter right here and they're not going anywhere. So you're going to pay your four grand rent you're going to try to live your bougie lifestyle and walk around in, in you know, nice gear, uh, but you're also going to be sharing space with people who need help and are getting it. So. Things with fancy words that are hard to pronounce. And I, I mean, as we were just walking over here, too, Justin just said to me, he goes, what is this line outside on the corner? And I go, oh, it's the Supreme. Supreme. Yeah. Supreme store, you know, yeah. the hype beasts are all waiting here to take whatever release is about to happen right now, or just in general, shopping yeah. from overseas or wherever they are. They, uh, they, they, most of the people that wait on that line are waiting to just resell it anyway, because I always was wondering why there's a line waiting to get in, and then there's a mob of people on the other side of the street just foaming at the mouth looking at the line. And I'm like, why don't you just get in line? And one is because you can't. You have to be, you have to get a permission to buy on a certain drop date. And then those guys across the street will come at you the second you get out with your new stuff and be like, I'll give you $500 cash for this. I'll give you $1,000 cash for this. Um, and then every now and then there's a robbery. It's Nolita. If you hear my voice disappear halfway through this because I'm waiting online, so I go flip something for 2x3. <laughs> you got a task rabbit over there. You can see the wheels turning as soon as you heard that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. wait, wait. There's a, there's a way I can. There's an opportunity uh, here? There's, yeah. an, there's an economic advantage. We, we had right. a pop-up uh, takeover from Stella. Artois and uh, Palace, which is like the UK version of Supreme. We're going to talk about that and, later. Oh, dope. You, jumped, you jumped me on Sorry, this. Sorry, we were talking about hypebeast stuff. <laughs> but the, the guys, I, I got this um, Palace Artois umbrella, limited edition thing apparently, and they were giving it out to the staff because they were like, thanks a lot for all the help. I walked outside with it, and some guy immediately was like, I'll give you $300 for that umbrella. <laughs> I was like, 
I don't know if this is, I don't know the market for this. So do I buy it? Do I sell this to you now or do I wait till Monday or what's going on? I still have the umbrella. I don't think it's worth it. I, I love this. And also one of your bar- bartenders hit me one night and he was like, I need another button down because I sold the one you gave me. Somebody offered me 200 bucks for it and I took <laughs> for it. For that shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah was that, that me? <laughs> no. I was pretty sure it was me. No, it was here in uh, this bar. Uh, right. Correct. Totally. And I was laughing. I said, you know, this is crazy. A land yeah. of opportunity. So, you know, these streets are, they're kind of more constricted or uh, they're not as big and open as the rest of the city. It feels a little bit more villagey like in yeah. a sense too. And obviously for people that are all across the U.S. that don't understand, when they think of New York City, they just think gridded streets, they just think taxi cabs, Empire State Building, all those things. But realistically, every little subsect of New York City has its own kind of personality and demographic to it. And Nolia is kind of like, it's sexy because you've got all these young 20-somethings running around. They're trying to have a party. Yep. They're spending their you know beginning salary that they just got in their first job and all over the place. And some of their family's uh, trust fund at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you're here to clean up some of that too. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm taking advantage of that now. So, but now... I think of it as... Uh, you ever seen Zoolander? Yeah. <clears throat> that derelict campaign? It's derelict. That's derelict. That's <laughs> Nolita, where it's like people yes. are dressing up in chic garbage bags. Yes. No, <laughs> like, that's actually, a, we have to actually do a party <laughs> about that. But so now Vig Bar is here, and it's been here for a long time. Yes, yeah, Bar's turning 25. Happy, uh, happy soon birthday. That's, thank you. Um, it's amazing that this bar has lasted this long. And um, it, is a, it is a bar. It's a bar. We have... <clears throat> Uh, we have, we might, yeah, so legally we have a kitchen. We have a small kitchen downstairs. Uh, but we do booze, cocktail, beer, and wine. That's what we are. And our, our music and party. So it's a corner cap, and uh, there was a recent renovation that happened, but prior to this, on this corner cap of the block here, it used to kind of just be like all oak wood kind of color on the outside. Yeah. Kind of like a real traditional bar yeah. in this area that's kind of becoming, you know, kind of sexy, uh-huh. but kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So as this renovation finally happened last year at some point. Yeah, I think it happened last, I want to say, August. Okay, of 2020. 2021, I want to say. Yeah, I remember when it was happening. It happened in uh, July, because right after it happened, that's when we had the Cell Artois takeover. Um, And the renovation was necessary because, uh, I mean, this bar is 25 years old. I took over... Right before the pandemic hit. Uh, so I took over, I think, October of 2019. Uh, I st- started getting into a good groove. The place wasn't in a great place. Uh, it was, all intents and purposes, it's probably going to close. Uh, and well, it was ancient because the world around was moving on. Yeah. But the bar was still staying in this kind of like timeless atmosphere to some extent. Yeah, Darwinism affects businesses as well. You evolve or you die. Um, or you get so old that you can live off of the fact that you're that old. When you think we about in that space. when you think about old bars in general, I always just think of that the rocks glass, right? That old school mm-hmm. shit rocks glass mm-hmm. that has the hexagon bottom to it. And everyone has one in their house because everyone got drunk and took one home at one point. Essentially. Yeah. And those were kind of the old ways too. And I'm sure that was the glassware that was in here at some point, no? Yeah. No, I mean uh <clears throat> The it's funny our rocks glass is like the one thing that hasn't changed. <laughs> it's just like it works. It's just gonna it fits a king cube. Great, it's clean. It's just hey, we needed king cubes. You know, like we're selling a better selection of spirits, uh, and we have mezcal now. <laughs> you know, like uh, things that we just never had years ago. 
Uh, and so we had one mezcal ever when I started. I started, this is my first bar I ever bartended in. And I started here nine years ago. And the mezcal that we had was Monte Alban, which was like... The one with swill. the worm in the bottle? The one with the worm in the bottle. It looks like Corvo Gold. It, yeah. It's it's not great. Um, not great. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> it is not great. But then I, I took over and I was like, wait, we need to up our quality up our selection we don't want to alienate anybody so we still have to remember that we are the accessible everyman bar some cheap stuff here but let's stretch like because i talked to some of our regulars and the guy's drinking modelos and bud lights and he's like yeah i work at louis vuitton <laughs> like oh i got my own um curtain business i live on broadway right there i'm like what the hell like and then every year they're like oh i want to have my holiday party here i've been coming here all year i'm like wait you have a company you some people here have legit money but we just they just buy what we have. So I started to test it with uh, I got a bottle of Claso Azul Reposado, like the tester. Because I was like, if people see that, I'll price it at thirty dollars a pour. And if someone buys it, then I know. Wait a second, there's more here. And we sold a bottle of that in the first week, just right through it. I was like, oh crap. Oh shit, I'm on to something. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. So we I started did, to really like pull some. Up. We did the same thing. I felt like we undersold. Like didn't even realize what we could sell. And I was like, you know, let's take a shot, see if it goes. And then all of a sudden. Same thing with the yeah. Casa Azul. It's like, all right, let's 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 up see how high we can get here. Yeah, let's see how much we can charge for vanilla. And you got I, a nice shelf of mezcals now. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, I put some love. I, I hopped around while I was here the whole time. I hopped around to other bars and learned a lot. Um, but I came back and I was like, no, we can do this. We can have a better cocktail menu. We can have better spirits. We can have really expensive stuff. The fact that that Whistle Pig 15 bottle keeps getting, like I keep having to buy a new one. It's a $200 bottle and we sell it 55 or poor uh, and people buy it. And... I'm just like, that is the health indicator for me, that one bottle. Um, and it's, it's, it's incredible to me that this is something that we can do while still also having $5 for net shots, $6 Modellos. When, which, when you see these, like, these names, right? Because the names have buying power to them for the people on the other side that are coming in. And like, do people always know what they're buying or they just know Whistlepig's good and they buy it and then they see the check later on and they're like, well, that must be pretty damn good, and now I've paid for it, right? Like, it, you know, you don't, yeah. I don't know. Do do people always know what the prices are on some of these things behind the bar, or is it like, surprise, motherfucker? Yes and no. I, I'd say you are some kind of asshole if you look at the straight-ahead shelf, and then you look up, and you go, I want to drink from there. Yeah, and literally the price top conscious. shelf. Yeah, you know? like our, our bartender, Avery, is five foot five. And you make her climb up on that to get up there and get something. Guess what? She's probably going to charge you a climbing fee if you're, like, <laughs> you're out of your mind. We had somebody push back because they had a um, Del Maggie Pachuga. Pachuga is expensive stuff. And like she got up there, got the bottle, poured it. And then the guy gets his check and he's like, what the hell? Why is it so expensive? He's at my spot. It's $10. And we look at him and we're like, first of all, are you sure you're not? Talking about Vita? Because they all kind of look the same. They all kind of look the same. Vita doesn't sit on the top shelf anywhere. And I was like, also, you saw her go up there. What did you think was going to happen? You think we keep the Vita up there? Come on. And so we were like, if you are charging $10 for Pachuga, where's your spot? Because I can't wait to come and drink all of your booze. But you're actually losing money on that. You're making literally zero. When you start to take in these different bottles and you start kind of expanding in this place and taking it over really and saying, hey, out with the old, in with the new. Like, sometimes doing that conversion really quickly mm -hmm. is a scary thought because mm -hmm. are you then alienating and losing some of your, you know, your diehard customer base that has been here for years 
but also you know that you'll die if you don't take in new customers. Yeah, um, it can be scary. Some people, uh, we had a review go up. It was a three-star review, and she was like, all you young kids come here now, um, but I used to go here all the time when I was younger. Love this bar, but, you know, you guys need to, uh, you kids need to know better. And I was just like, wait, so you've been coming here forever, and you only now give us a review, and it's three stars only on the fact that new people are here. Yeah. And I was like, there is that mentality that goes through every bar. Like, you go to the old Irish pub, there's always this old curmudgeon guy who's like, I'm going to die here. Um and I don't want anybody around me. I just want to drink. And I'm like, well, you can't penalize the business for that. Somebody else has got to be there. You know, that, no, screw her for that middling review so late. Uh, but yeah, so there's always going to be that person. There's no way to really defeat that. What I did was when we were changing it around, I made sure I was here every day. Like I was bartending, I was managing, I was serving every single day because when that one regular did come back, it would really be a shock if. The bar looked completely new. Spirit selection was completely different, more expensive, more obscure. And then they looked around and saw not a soul that they knew. Where am I? What is this? <laughs> There's a sign outside. I guess the bar is called You've Been Here Before. Like, uh, and so people are freaking out. And I was like, no, no, hey, it's me. I'm still here. Like, it's not, you know, not somehow the bar changed ownership and changed businesses, but I kept my job. <laughs> like, I'm still here. It's the same place. I know what you drink. We still have it. Here you go. Uh, and people got used to that. So we were able to keep the returning business that we always had, what little it was, and then tack on this monstrous additional business uh, through and, no, no easy feat. And that's, that's, we, we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about, remember we talked about super regulars versus regular regulars? Super regulars. Remember we were like, super regulars, bad. Regulars, regulars are good. Super regulars are bad. And then you have everybody else. And then you have your irregulars too. And, right, you have your irregulars, but... And, and this place is that monster. Right. When you can't, but just like you just said, you can't cater to the super regular. It's going to get mad because you changed the picture on the wall that has been there for 20 years. Now he's not coming back because you changed yeah. the other thing. You can't live like that. You got to have the new stuff coming in and out. Our sister bar on 14th Street is across the street from a fire station. It's an old red Irish pub. And the owner went in there and cha- he painted the exterior white one day. And the fire department came over and was like, change it back to red. <laughs> we're not coming here anymore. <laughs> he was like, he's like, so now I got to go buy more paint. He's like, I just wasted $2,000 on painting a facade twice for no reason. He's the fire like, department is different though. I feel like you want to keep them. No. Yeah. yeah he yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> like, I'm definitely doing it. They came over and he was like, change it back. He's like, all right, well, I got to change it back. In uh, taking in all the new clientele and starting to cater where I, you know, I presume there wasn't really maybe a cocktail list in the uh, olden days. It existed. It said cocktail on it. It was, uh, there was like three <laughs> things on it. It was a Manhattan. It was uh, old-fashioned maybe. Or... The person who was making the cocktails before didn't actually like cocktails, and but still was like, I'm the boss. And Vodka, lemon juice, soda. In we there. had one one day that was Captain Morgan St. Germain lime juice. And I yeah. was like, that's the cocktail? Yeah. Oh, I don't even – I don't know the specs. I don't want to know the specs. Yeah. I know that's going to taste bad. Provided to you by somebody at a distributor. Yeah, I was just like, oh, God. Uh, and so we were getting, you know, a bad rap. I was going to ask where that came from, but yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. You know, because they have it filtered out, right? So they know what kind of bar it is and what people are capable of. And then there's like the tab where it's like two bottles, three bottles, yep. Yep. four bottles. I don't even think they have a four bottle option in that, no. you know, that tab. That They're getting more creative, though, with their, with their recipe suggestions. So they realize they have to. In like the last year or two, you start to see some real... Oh, that's not, oh, it's not bad. Yeah, you had to start getting some outside talent to do that for your in-house brands because 
every bar, like New York City, New York City is so competitive. Every bar needs to have uh, at least a half decent cocktail menu. You have a crap cocktail menu. I don't care what your bar is. They'll be like, what? Like, I went to a dive bar that was making dope cocktails. I was like, yeah, it's Manhattan. You, it's everything so competitive. You, you sharpen your, your, your tip everywhere. Um, so, and the, and the brands live and die on those placements too. Yes, they do. Yeah, one on the menu moves two or three times faster than something somebody has to call for. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's incredible. I, I've, obviously, that's a major factor, and you know, it's so different depending on where we live. And considering, like you just said about New York and how it is here. You know, coming into Fernet first days, there was like a, a KPI, key performance indicator mm-hmm. here of saying, hey, go get this cocktail on menus in New York City. And it was a Collins. And I was like, a Fernet Collins. you want me to go walk into <laughs> bars where New York City has all of this extreme talent, a pool of guys and girls that know what they're doing with spirits. I can't walk in and tell somebody what to put on their menu. I'll get laughed out of the city and never be invited back. Right. Like. So we quickly understood coming from the bar side, which, you know, I think not as many people had in the corporate side of the office where this is its own city that kind of lives and breathes to itself. And, you know, we see the trends happen though in the streets uh, as far as cocktails go, Justin, like where people put one thing on the menu and then next thing you know, there's another menu with that item, another menu on that item. And you just see it everywhere and you go, okay, cool. This is what we're doing now in New York. Yep. So when I walk into a bar too, I'm like, hey. Give me what you think is the weirdest, obscure thing that you haven't seen before, and you really enjoy the cocktail. It goes remember, in, It goes until you get on Cheesecake Factory menu, then it's over. Yeah, it's done. It's done. <laughs> I remember there was a time when you'd walk in and St. Germain was on every back bar imaginable. And and then St. Elder started popping up, and they were like, yeah, it's just like a cheaper version of St. Germain. And we're like, are you out of your mind? I can't, I can't replace St. Germain. Like, I'll be laughed out of the city. People, like, what will I sell people? And then all of a sudden, now it's just like, yeah, no, I want, El-, like, the consumer started realizing it is St. Germain, but it's really an elderflower liqueur that I want. And then every bar manager started being like, great, now I can swap this out and yep. save a couple bucks. I don't even have it on my back bar anymore. It's in the cabinet of shame because um, uh, St. Germain's gone. Uh, St. Elder, it works. Keep it there. We don't need to, you don't need to see it to know that we can do it, and we have it. It's like, but that, it's funny how those trends happen, and they come and go and you were just really behold hell the the flavored vodka trend that happens every four years where it's like we have all these new flavored vodkas less sugar this time we promise and then you get them on a bar and then a year later they're all gone well and i and we're at the point where everybody understands this that they don't want to start collecting things to find that little shame cabinet at the bottom anymore where there's such limited space as it is here too mm-hmm. where now you say well what do i really need what can I get away with not having on that back bar? Mm. What's going to be dead stock that I make no money on? And everybody falls victim to this, too, where, you know, the supplier might say, hey, we're doing a deal on, you know, take 30 cases of this, and we're going to throw in 10 cases of this. And you're like, all right, it's free booze. But then at but the end of the day, like, you go, what am I going to do with yeah, this? And I've just, just taken there. up storage. And, uh, it's like- and then the other common side is then the bar manager essentially leaves their role at this space leaving all of this dead stock behind. Mm-hmm. And a new guy comes in and he goes, what the hell was this idiot thinking? Mm-hmm. Why would you ever buy all of this? I came in and we had uh, 15 cases of Chardonnay in the basement when I, when I took over. And I was like, I've been bartending here for a bit. No one drinks the Chardonnay. Crap, what am I going to do with it? I was like, screw it, let's go. Got a slushy machine, put it up there, made a frozen sangria out of that. It was a wild sangria. It was like grapefruit juice, cinnamon syrup, tons of Chardonnay in there. And... 
we called it the Wizard of Oz because it just had a little bit of this, a little cowardly lion, a little bit of <laughs> scarecrow, and people drank it like nobody's business. We got rid of all those cases. It was like, great, now let's actually put something in here. But, you know, that's hard to do. You know, that's not – thank God it wasn't 10 cases of uh, – of a maple bourbon or something like that, where it's like, crap, what am I going to do? Yeah. Or special old fashions all day long. Yeah. Lemon vodka. Who knows? It's just, you got to watch out for that stuff. When I walk into a bar now and I sit down, I look at the back bar and I see a bottle of apple puckers sitting there. I'm just like, okay, there we go. This is going to be that kind of day. It's funny too, because I'll walk into a place too. And you know, if if they don't have Fernet behind the back bar, a lot of times, like we just said a little bit earlier, I say, just put one bottle there. It's going to cost 40 bucks. I'm going to buy something right now here anyway. Mm-hmm. I'll buy a couple of drinks. I've already paid for that bottle. Sort of the single bottle and see what happens to it. Because then you realize people start coming out of the woodwork. Maybe people that work in the industry or whatever it may be. And you go, wait, why didn't I have that bottle before? Because it's almost sold through. It's a bad signal. Like certain things sit on your back bar and people come in and go, okay, I know what kind of bar this is. Like immediately it's a language that you can communicate outward. Uh, and, you know, I don't sell all of, I have what? eight Omari sitting up there on the shelf. I don't sell all of them all the time. Uh, but but it that's, says, hey, a, we're here. that's a communication outward of like, hey, no, we got you. Um, and then also it's a little love daps when somebody comes from a restaurant in the neighborhood and they're like, oh, we just ate at this place. Great, you just ate. Let me give you some digestif real quick. Uh, maybe giving you a little education on that if you've never had it. All right, now start giving me some money. You know, just, it, it's, it's a part of that is communication to what kind of place we are. A part of that is hospitality for me. Like, you weren't my guest before, but you are my guest now. I'm going to make sure you have a good time. When you are going through stocking this back bar, and it feels like everything under the sun is allocated right now. <laughs> There's There was an eye roll that just occurred. <laughs> uh, and, and I, was like, I think Justin also, was allocated for a bit there. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And, you know, Justin, I think, has the same pains with the allocation of everything, too, where... You know, in Smokehouse, Justin does try to steer away, I think, a little bit more so from all of the base and familiar, like, quote-unquote, must-have spirits. Yeah, yeah. Well, to some degree. Yeah, yeah, sure. To some degree. But, you know, when traveling around and seeing some spots, we were just in uh, San Diego a while ago, and one of the bars I walked in, they don't have vodka at all. Hmm. And they intentionally opened without carrying any vodka because they were like, we don't want to just go serve Tito's to everybody. So we're going to force everybody to have different things on the that's, cocktail list. That's and a bold strategy. Bold. And they're highly <laughs> successful. Bold. It's one one thing to just say, oh, I don't want to carry Tito's. Yeah. But just be like, we're not going to have vodka. <laughs> yeah, you took your gripe against Period. one brand and went against the whole spirit. That's <laughs> like, crazy to me. Like, there's a there's a place down the block, what, P- Copper and Oak. It's a whiskey bar. And they have a sign at the front that's like, no vodka here. I'm like, oh, you know what? You are a whiskey bar. If somebody walks into your small like really well curated bar or all these different spirits and they want a vodka soda. It's like, Hey, you're in the wrong bar. I don't want you to have a bad time. Don't even come in here. So I, I respect that. But if you're in a bar with every other spirit and you're like, but no, no vodka. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. When you put the cocktail menu together here too, like I, I was, I was explaining to somebody recently. I said, no, man, it's an interesting cocktail menu because it's essentially a whole Q&A section that happens in which you help guide people to what they want. But the Q&A is like stupid questions, essentially. Stupid. The stupidest questions possible. Uh, I think the Q&A came actually because co- through COVID, my brain just kind of broke uh, working out in the street day. Like, I feel like I'm a sex worker. That's what I'm talking about. Working on the street. Um, but yeah, I was literally on the corner like, please, someone stop and give me a dollar. Um, but uh, 
our, our Justin, as you said, our space is on the corner. So there's about 80 foot, 80 feet of outdoor seating on one side. And there's uh, 40 feet in front. And our staff would walk up and down the street because we weren't allowed to have people inside. Everyone had to sit. Uh, or else Cuomo would take away your liquor license. Uh, but everyone oh, had to re- sit. So, rehashing some bad memories. Yeah, we would go all the way down the block, <laughs> 80 feet every time to the last table. And we'd be like, hey, do you know what you want yet? They're like, um, I don't know. What do you have? And we're like, you looked at the menu? Yeah, but what do you have? And so I was like, we liked your menu, but do you have anything else? And I was like, all right. So it started kind of as like a little fuck you where it was like, all right, well, we have our cocktail menu. And then we have a Q&A menu for people who are like, I'm different. And so uh, it was a part partially started as a good fuck you for making me walk that way that far down. And you still had more questions. But um, another way of I realized nobody was coming inside. So all the work I had just did to put together a great back bar, it didn't mean shit. No one could see what we had. So I started being like, OK, how do I rotate through some of this old back stock I have? How do I sell this fast? I got to put it on the menu in a weird way. How do I try things out and not care if I fail? How do I. Um, upsell people in a time where everyone's just like out and they won't see the higher price gin so they won't buy it let's get creative so i started off with and and also how do i stay it's our way of staying culturally culturally relevant so one of our most popular drinks on the q a menu was a 22 dollar mezcal old-fashioned and i couldn't believe we were actually able to sell it as many especially as many as we did but the question that was attached to it was uh did you go to tulum uh, because you got stimulus money, even though it's still a pandemic. <laughs> and, and literally every table that sat down and read that question, they all looked at a friend and went, ah, that's you, that's you. And so people would buy it. And I just put it on because a lot of my friends look on Instagram, they were just in Tulum. I was like, oh, I'm sitting here busting my ass day to day to hopefully make rent. And you guys somehow are in Tulum. God, I, I'm, I'm a little jealous, but I'm a little upset. Um, that's, that's hilarious. So the Q&A menu, it just keeps rotating. So like, we keep it going to today. Like the queen died, we that day we, we were like, "Oh crap, we got to get a uh, God save the queen cocktail on the menu," and we threw it on that day. People came in, like she she they announced her death that afternoon. We opened at 4 p.m. People came with the menu and were like, "What the f-? like how DMX died?" We had something on the menu that day. Yeah, wait, just like, you have a printer downstairs? <laughs> printer. We're in QR code time. <laughs> oh yeah. I just update the website, which I love QR codes. I can change the menu all the time. But now the team is involved with that, and they love it. They're like, no, we got to stay culturally relevant. Yeah, because I've got the dumbest question that we're going to put up there. The Let's dumbest, get absolute going. dumbest question. We're selling porn star martinis right now, and it, the question says, um, do you look back at your summer and make the, the, the smirking emoji face? And I was like, oh, you nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> porn star martini. Yep, sold. Selling bunches of them. And I, I think it's also fun, too, because the demographic that you could have coming in here, too, is like they are younger kids to an extent that are looking to socialize with their friends, yeah. joke a little bit, not take things too seriously, but also live a little bit of a little more lavish lifestyle. That $22 cocktail, they don't give a shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the craziest things we did on the Q&A menu was I was, like I said, losing my mind during COVID, and I experimented with a Doritos nacho cheese tequila, you know, just to see if I could. <laughs> so I fat washed some tequila, some Espolón with uh, Doritos, uh, and... Got it out. It was neon orange. The gross. It looked like Gatorade. How did it taste? Gross. Like, it, it was the nastiest thing I've ever sipped on. And then I was like, but what is it like in a margarita for science? And I did that, and it was even worse. And I looked at it, and I was like, well, that's trash. But then the bar manager in me said, well, you're going to throw away a $30 bottle of tequila? 
what are you going to do with that? I was like, wait, I can put it on the Q&A menu. I put, do you have a friend that you hate? <laughs> Five dollar <laughs> shots. <laughs> Miss Tequila. We sold through that bottle in a day. Love that. <laughs> we made, what, 150 bucks on something that I was going to throw in the trash. Uh, it's just, it, it's like, as long as you can acknowledge that you have something bad, ideally you don't have bad stuff. Was that inspired pers- by personal curiosities or like social media rabbit holes? Uh, it was a little combination of both. It was like, <laughs> Seeing those uh, Campbell soup Thai chicken, <laughs> Thai soup Negronis, seeing all this crazy stuff that people were doing, and I was like, I can try something weird. Also, I'm a, I'm a big fan of putting uh, shelf snacks into spirits, and it's worked really well with pretzels and whiskey. It's worked really well with um, uh, at this one bar I was at. We did butter, uh, popcorn butter and gin, um, and I did here with um, uh, graham crackers and rum. And I was actually going to say that that's combo. A really good one. Um, I'm working on something I, I can use. The, uh, you know how they make the Takis chips in a straw form now? I'm trying to use that as a straw somehow. I mean, they're going to dissolve as fast as the paper straws yeah. did, but <laughs> hey, it's a good notion. Um, yeah, and so I was like, yeah, a little playing God, a little being mad science, and then I, I stopped right there. I was like, this is the worst idea ever. I like the idea because so many places struggle, but half the game is giving the place a personality and character, right? Because every how many places have... The same stuff. Well, same stuff. But I like that idea. It's just a built-in character builder. You get a personality to the bar, and, you know, that helps so much. Like, I love that idea. Yeah, I, I, I come from corporate America, sadly, and uh, working in uh, <laughs> media and advertising for, I think, I did eight years. And one thing I always thought of back then was uh, you have to make sure that somebody understands they're there to get you, give you money from even if they're not even in your building. From the second they look at your menu from your website. They are there to to feel you and to make it as easy to give you money as possible. So when I looked at, when I worked at a magazine, it was like if you don't have a subscribe to our magazine or an advertise with us button on your homepage, why are you making this so difficult? So our website now has a book an event right on the very top of the damn page. It's like our address, book an event, do something. Uh, but then I was like, wait a second, can our website be insane too? So let's put our insane menu up on our website. Let's also get a great designer who's the, a regular here to do our website. And she went nuts. She loaded this this website with Easter eggs. There's a, if you hover over the the, the eye, the dot over the eye, it sometimes turns into the disco dancing scene from Airplane. And I'm like, why? Like any consumer who doesn't know this bar would be like, what is this? This bar is insane. And like, yes. Like, we want you to know we're not going to be the stuffy, pretentious place when you get here. Because if you come in here with that stuffy, pretentious attitude, that's on you. You are in the wrong for ever coming here. You have an interactive Q&R, uh, Q&A menu on the website? Yeah. All right, so They're not interactive, but we have the Q&A on like the menu. Like, you could click yes, no, whatever, and it would generate a cocktail. I mean, if I was a coder, I'm going to probably add that in. Um, yeah. I always wanted to do, uh, what's it called? You can a, make a meme. You know how people have the ones that are on their face and you, you choose and it just like rotates the cocktail? <laughs> what's my cocktail? Yeah, what's my cocktail? It's going to be the same answer for everybody. <laughs> it makes it easy. I always want to do a sign aside that when you walk by, you can press a button and it just like randomly generate a cocktail suggestion for, me, for you. Uh, but I don't have the skill. So I was like, I'll just put a sandwich board. <laughs> now somebody's going to approach you after this oh, well, conversation too. And they're they're going to say they know how to do this for you. This has this been published. This is published media. You're <laughs> so right though about how everybody needs everything to be extremely easy because everybody's just kind of like inherently lazy in the steps that we take to get somewhere where, you know, you look at some of these products on the market where you go to their website and it's just so direct to tell you what to do mm-hmm. and it makes it easy to make a sale happen. And 
like I can't go to Cheesecake Factory ever just because the menu's like ninety pages deep and it's eighty percent chicken. Yeah, and I'm like, can you just separate it by what protein it is? Because that would be easier for me to figure out where to go. That that menu is the most dangerous thing in, in hospitality because you could easily like cut somebody with that menu too. It's just long slices of plastic. It's thick. It's insane. Uh, it's it's daunting. It's tough. And uh, with advertisements. Which is yeah. brilliant. Right, <laughs> right. That's on your menu. I'm like, oh, how do you get away with that? So in making it easier, though, too, where, you know, we are in such a heavily populated area, and now we're coming into the holiday season, too. We're now having that new website where, yes, the first thing at the top is events. Book an event. Yeah. Is that what you want? Cool. I can help you out there. Yeah. And then click the button, and it either goes to email or it goes right in. direct email. Direct email. Cool. Not even any stupid questions. It's just, nope. what, do you want? what do you want? Send it to me. Now, granted, I wish I had some stupid questions to gate you because some people just, the, the, the popularity of this bar now since seems we get statistically everyone. So you got to get one into the spectrum and the other. Um, and so some people just go, I want my birthday party here. And so oh, I have to write back. <laughs> okay. <"Wait."> like, I, <laughs> I, I just send people gifts now of like, who, who are you talking to? There's that um, Truman Show, Jim Carrey gif where he's like, who the hell are you talking to? I send that to people all the time because I'm like, what do you want? Like, when is your birthday? I'm not you. I don't, I'm not your friend. I don't know your birthday. When is your birthday? How many people are you expecting? Is this a nighttime thing, a daytime thing? Like, are you bringing your mom? Are you bringing candles and cupcakes and balloons and no, no glitter, no confetti? I'm just like, those people who just like, birthday here. I'm like, you found us on TikTok. And then there's other people who are like, hey, love to have my birthday here. Turning 30, love this place, back room please, 10 p.m., 60 friends. I'm like, you are my favorite person. The second you get here, I'm finding you and doing a shot with you. Yeah. Have you found the, have you found the one gentleman who's currently overseas but needs you to work with his family, official family band? I, <laughs> is this the latest scam? <laughs> is this, I, I have found like that person is two different people. There's somebody who's overseas who desperately wants to get my attention. And there's somebody who's very local who also wants to get his band in here. And he's con- like, he called me one day and I was like to my personal self. Cause I, I put my, my uh, phone number in all my responses. I'm like, hit me up. Most guests are like, Oh, this guy's really responsive and great. And it, it works well. Hospitality works for us. But then this guy who I've been telling, no, we're not that kind of space. You can't bring in a jazz quartet here. Like, we don't need it. We don't want it. And he's like, okay, I'll try again in a month. I'm like, no, we're not going to change. And then one day out of the blue, he calls my cell phone. I'm like, you know what? Kudos to you for believing in yourself. But what makes you think that this phone call is going to make me go, you know what? We do need a jazz quartet. (laughs) Uh, Honestly, this guy has seen your back and forths with the uh, New Jersey Devils guy that keeps trying to sell you tickets, even though you only went there once about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. You know, this is good for his jazz quartet because you're going to come back and oh, yeah. you're going to post it up there. I'm going to post like, it. I'm going to make This guy's ridiculous. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's going to sell, you know, a thousand albums or something. I, I am. I, I love people. I love hospitality, but I'm the most petty person imaginable. And I just, uh, I got to appreciate the grind though. You know, you got to try. You got to try. Like I used to be try. in sales. I get it. You got to put food on your table. However, it's like when you get a no, usually the no yeah. is like. All right, leave me leave these guys alone. It's not like there's only five bars in New York. See, I'd love to DJ for you. I don't have a cabaret license. All right. What about <laughs> Friday? <laughs> Taking advantage of the parties that do come in, and I know you just mentioned a little bit earlier, but definitely want to expand upon it too, where Vig Bar at some point was not Vig Bar for like two days or three days or something like that yeah. because Stella came in and they said, no, yeah. it's not Vig Bar anymore. Nope. You know, this is Palace Artois. 
And <laughs> we're going to make it look like a UK pub. I was like, we just paid like a quarter million dollars for a renovation. And they came in the week after and <laughs> redesigned it themselves. We were like, <laughs> it was it's hilarious. It's crazy. Like, these are the things that I would love to do with budget behind me. Like, so, so almost ridiculous. It was insane. Actually, the, it looks so good, though. Yeah, also. Look, they did a great job. But I, I can't tell you the headache and the nightmare it was to tell my staff, hey, so remember when we took all the bottles off the back bar and just got them back up and reorganized them? You got to take them down one more time because Stella's going to put a bunch of chalices back there and only wants to see Stella. And they're like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. we can't keep doing this. <laughs> like, filling up garbage cans full of bottles. But at the um, end of the but, day, that's oh, a great God. booking. Like, you, you need to do it. Fantastic booking. I think everyone who worked it was happy to get that paycheck. Uh, I, we were happy, especially coming off of COVID, to get any kind of, like, to have that drop on us right after, it was like, ooh, I had a nice little shower cry because I'm like, oh, crap, this is going to be a good week for us. Needed um, that. And I didn't realize that was going to be the beginning. It's like, oh, God, busy. And I had, I, I think I was walking down the street, actually, and I had no idea how big this was going to be of a takeover, and I heard something of it, and I just thought, you know, all right, brand party happening, yeah. and, you know, maybe they hung some signs, but the awnings were, like, different color painted. They cling almost wrapped a, the facade of the bar. It was a totally that's different what it space. Was. It was insane. I thought they had somebody come in and actually just paint everything. They were debating that. They were like, what would be faster, you think? They were like, can we get more of your paint that you have now, or would a vinyl cling wrap work better? I was like, you talking to me? I don't know. No, I, don't, like, I don't do this. You have a production team. <laughs> yeah, and so they got some guys down, and overnight they transformed this bar into something totally different. I couldn't believe it. Um, and, you know, I, I heard about it from the community board a month later. Pretty brutal. But <laughs> that's brutal. Uh, but I just, I just found it on Instagram. That's crazy. The Palace of Twelve? Yeah. Yeah, it, it looks like a totally different bar. And the, the notion, the idea they went with was simultaneously here and in London, two places activating at the same time with that one concept. So both bars looked exactly the same, and they would put out the same product, Stella. Um and it was just like, great, what like great. And then they had darts, they had a bunch of uh, skater head celebrities, which I can tell you right now, skater celebrities are no joke because they have an entourage and their entourage does not give a fuck about it. Like, we should have had way more security on VIP day. We thought it was going to be chill and like execs coming by from the skater company. Nope, it was skater punks and all their boys. And crazy. Crazy, climbing trucks outside and... It's it's funny too because you know everybody's just important in their own realms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could walk by people all day long. Like, I don't a, watch sports. Did they have a live stream at each bar? Like uh, so you could see the other bar. They had no. I wish they did, but they <clears> had a, cool. um, they had a, a rotating flip of some uh, skating video. Okay. Um, from Palace, which I was like, oh, it's dope. Until you know, the Wi-Fi was just like, all right, enough of this, <laughs> and and just stopped playing the video. And so midway through, the marketing director's freaking out, like, get our video back on. I'm like, yeah, once I'm done pouring a thousand Stellas in a row, like, I'll get your video back up. <laughs> but it was a good time. It's crazy, too, because, you know, an event like that, too, where that's all you're pouring, it's like, I'm sure every tap line was Every tap Stella, line was Stella. And every single one was probably going at the same time yep. then anyway. It was there was bananas. a line down the road. You would have actually thought it was Supreme here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing a release because it was literally that long to the end of the block over there. And I think that's why they picked us. It was counter-programming to Supreme. So being that close to their store, I think they were like, this is a good little middle finger to you guys being like, yo, we can, we can draw lines too. Um, I didn't <laughs> expect that. Uh, so it was fun. But yeah, it was like it was just one of those funny things where like working with Stella, working with a, a British team, Stella International, 
and then having them deliver us a bunch of kegs of Stella and all of them not be domestic kegs, fantastic. So <laughs> the day comes and we're tapping them all and we're like, dude, you gave us international kegs and we, are, we only have domestic Sankeys. Like, we can't pour anything. And they're looking at us like, how, what, what is the problem? I'm like, dude, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, Stella is available in America. We should have domestic kegs that, or get a new Sankey down here fast. It was like, just a nightmare. But They had uh, been able to get that pretty quick, though, right? Like, Sankey's hanging around. You would think. That's crazy. You remember how there was, like, no glasses available yeah. <laughs> during COVID? Yeah. It was stuff like that, where they were like, oh, we don't have Sankey's. Like, well, get me a gasp, like a tube, so we can <laughs> siphon some of this out of the keg. We need to do something here. With, with the fact that, you know, this place does do so much volume, it's busy in here a lot and often, and not really having this kitchen build kind of, you know, it's here, it's, it's here. here, it's here, it's kitchen here, but as far as when we talk about getting the food out, you know, we do a little, I know we do a little bit of an offering of food, mm-hmm. and uh, how'd you get creative in the sense of saying, you know, how do I maybe eliminate a little bit of the extra work? COVID, and- man. COVID was the great equalizer. It, it just like, I don't know what happened, but it put me in a wartime general mode where I was like, every day I woke up and I was like, I got to get creative. Like, the laws kept changing. What we had to do kept changing. And it was like, if you don't do this by four o'clock, we'll take your liquor license. <laughs> it was like every day I was freaking out. And so when the food thing kept happening, I was like, oh my God, we, I looked at other places and what they were doing, and they were just like, you know, here's our menu. Buy a $15 sandwich, and now you're allowed to buy a beer. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's the law, but God, that must suck for people who are just like, I just I, I just want a beer, man. Like, this is the hardest time. And some people's entire lifespan, this was the hardest time for them. And so I was like, you just turned 21, and you want to go out to a bar, and you can't. And then when you get there, it's like, you also got to spend three times what you intended to pay for just one beer. Uh, and so I was like, all right, how about we do this? It says sandwiches. Let's make them a sandwich. Let's make them a grilled cheese sandwich. But let's not half-ass it. Like, if we're going to do something, let's do something good. Uh, we did a great grilled cheese sandwich, and we only priced it at $2. We're like, this is going to be just a cover charge, essentially. Um, and so people who came by for just a beer, like, yo, $2 grilled cheese, I'll take that. And they ate it. They're like, oh, I loved it. And I was like, all right, now we're in a community. We're in a neighborhood where we could all help each other. How do I do something more substantial without breaking my own back? Because we don't have that much staff, but we do have, you know, the oldest pizzeria in the country a block away. And I know those guys. So I went down there and I was like, hey, listen, your business is heavily reliant on tourism, which we don't have right now. And hell, they lost, they lost half, and Lombardi's lost half their space during COVID because the landlord broke their balls and took half the building back. And they had to move their pizza oven that's been there forever. Ridiculous. So I was like, listen, you're going through all that stuff. This is, it'll be a shame if you guys close. How about I sell your pizza for you? So if somebody comes by and they think a grilled cheese is too small or they're like, I don't trust the $2 grilled cheese. You want something more substantial? Here's a $24 pizza pie. It's from the oldest pizzeria in the country. It's bomb. It'll be here instantly and it's coming out hot. Put six of their pies on our menu and it just went. It was people came in. They were like, cool, grilled cheese. I'll get a grilled cheese while I wait for my pizza. We sold more pizzas (laughs) and then we had Lombardi staff running up and down the block just bringing us pies and they were just running back and forth, back and forth. And they were just loving it because they were like, yo, we're, we're doing business. And I was loving it because I was like, I had a full kitchen with no overhead. This is fantastic. And then the staff was like, 
a, a pizza hits our check and we get tipped on it. Everyone's winning here. This is In the meantime, the, the four other bars between here and there are all looking out the window at these pizza guys running back <laughs> and forth. And they're like, where the hell are these guys <laughs> going so quick? We'd have like 10 buy drops at a time. It was hilarious. And so, you know, those, those little treaties that you make during wartime, they, they go away eventually. But we were like, yo, this is fantastic. It's a win-win for both of us. Let's keep this going. So now on our menu, we feature Lombardi's Pizza. You know, they're back to doing great numbers over there, but they're still like, yo, this works for us. You know, you are our biggest customer. So we'll keep sending you pies if you keep ordering. We have a great system going. They run down. Everyone on staff knows how to do it and where to go. It's a great system. It works for everybody. And then also now that we do, now that we're allowed to have people back inside, we have those big parties, big groups come in and they're like, hey, I want 10 pies delivered here at 11 p.m. for my drunk friends on my birthday. Gotcha. I mean, I've been here and said, as the drunk friend, can we get three pies? It's just like, it's easy and it's, it's delicious. It's Lombardi's. So, um, that kind of thing really worked out. Like you really survived COVID by being very nimble, very creative. Um, and I'm, I'm glad we were because I saw people putting up GoFundMes. And at that time I was like, I don't think we have the fan base to do a GoFundMe. I won't even dare put one up. I'll be embarrassed if I put one up and it's like, our goal is twenty thousand dollars, and you could see the seventy-five dollars yeah, yeah. donated. Yeah. I was like, I don't want it. And it was from your mother. Yeah, I mean, like it would be heartbreaking. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. So proud of you. Yeah. So we just did it. We did it all grassroots, and we're like, oh, all right. You know, we it basically was like opening a bar from scratch, uh, and you know, we got lucky. I mean, that's part of the major benefits of being in a densely populated area like like here, where you have something so close that it, the the logistics of it works, where it's not like fifteen minutes away. Yeah, closest option, you know. Do yeah. you know off the top of your head how many pizzas probably go out a month? A month? I'd say it was definitely heavier during COVID, and we were doing. Why'd you pick such a wide range? Well, what a month? Like a month, month. I thought a month like was a month. good. A month is a crazy yeah, range. I'm like, <laughs> Give me a week, man. <laughs> uh, a week during COVID, we were easily doing about a hundred pizzas. Okay. Because we were getting crunched uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Easily doing 20 pies a day there. And then the rest of the week, we were just it's nuts. Now I'd say it slowed down a lot because everything's back to normal. The restaurants are back. People are going to their dinners then coming back here. But, you know, the, the a la carte every day, we sell at least three pies. And then the, the big drops that happen at night, for people's parties also happen, or corporate parties, holiday parties. People come in here and they just drop. They'll pre-order them, which is fantastic. And be like, hey, when I get there, I want eight pies. Great, no problem. And so, you know, we don't see a dime from that, but it's great that the guest is happy with really low effort on our part. Lombardi still makes money. They sell pies. Staff is happy. Like, everybody's happy without much of a headache. Do you see, as far as the corporate events, do you feel like they're about to start coming back into the holiday now? Oh, yeah. The I've started getting those emails already. Um, those emails are... You know, I thought last year, I thought that was going to start happening, but people were still working from home, and then Omicron hit, and everything got thrown up in the air. Uh, we have a good amount of corporate parties booked already this year, which I'm so happy for. Um, we got some of them like that are trying to haggle with me right now, which is very interesting. I'm like, like, one is a real estate company, and they're just like, oh, can you make us a holiday-themed cocktail and just for a discounted price? 
I'm like, have you ever had Doritos in your cocktail before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, That's... hey, are you guys giving out discounted broker's fees in this city right now? You know how brutal it is. I know how much money you guys have. Get out of here with that. I mean, the way the, the, way the, real, estate market, the, way the real estate market just hit for the last two years, they, they can afford it. I was like, why are you breaking <laughs> my balls? You guys are insane. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's just funny seeing that kind of stuff. But it's also like it feels like an honor. It's like, oh, thank God this is coming back. Because that was the time of year when we always were like, all right, it's December. We're going to eat well. And because January is going to be bad. Um, but now it's like December, I mean, November, booked. October, fully booked. December, booked. Uh, New Year's, I don't even know what to do for New Year's because I'm like, I, I'd rather have a smaller party in here with a higher price per head to be like, hey, do you want that Vig Bar experience without having to rub elbows with every person on earth? Let's do that. Then another part of me is like, why not go out at the end of the year with a bang? Just a crazy bash. I don't know. I'm, I'm losing my mind over it. But now we're getting questions about it. Come up with something. Yeah, and at some point you have to pull that trigger yeah. and get it booked out. You Just know, put up it, like a silent auction for New Year's. And, <laughs> starting you know, price. Starting price We only here. have this many tickets. Yeah. It's the, <laughs> hey. So in, in you know, just adjust me to party prices too because I have been, I think, so far out from looking at the pricing structure of things when it comes to open bars. You know, what's a middle shelf open bar per person kind of going for nowadays? I do for middle shelf open bar, two hours, $70 a person uh, uh, before tax and tip. Boom. So I'm like, you look at our middle shelf, you can get anything there plus cocktails, unlimited, two hours at $70. And how many people, a minimum? I, I you know, I, I had a weird. So there's got to be always a minimum, like, I wouldn't do it for just five people. Eh, I might. You never know. Um, but I stopped doing minimums a while ago. Uh, that was another weird, like, flipping strategies on its head because every single bar was doing, like, oh, it's, you know, it's $500 for one hour here. And I remember when we used to do it here, we used to have the back room was $1,200. Not much to take over the back room for the night. And people, when I was floor managing, people would come up to me during the party. Hey, am I my minimum yet? Am I there yet? Am I there yet? Like, uh, how much more do I have to go? I'd be like, damn, I, I'm not having fun. You're not having fun. Like, you're freaking out about this. And I was like, well, you, you're at your minimum. Don't worry about it. And I started thinking. I'm like, that room fits 50 to 60 people in there. If you tell me you're committing to bringing at least 40 people in that room, I'm not going to give you a minimum. Because no matter what number I really care about, my bar's full of bodies. Right. And a bar full of bodies makes you money. And so I started being like, there is no minimum spin. You give me 50 bucks. That's it. It's a refundable deposit because I want to make sure, A, the person who I say that to, if they go, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm like, you're not my customer I want. B, the number is so small that you're going to be like, yeah, I can give that to you. No problem. I get it back. Great. Um, but there is still something. There's still that little tether. And we're not talking because people don't care that with 50 people, $1,200 is nothing. They care about the $1,200, that, that, that number. They see that and psychologically they go, ooh, that's a barrier. I'm a 21-year-old. I can't go near that much money. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's crowdsourced. Your friends are going to do it, but you're scared to take, be responsible for the whole thing. Don't worry about it. Just get your ass in there. <laughs> Have fun. You want a party? Give me this money. I'll give it back to you on Monday. Have a good time. Our numbers have exploded. We are always booked. Like, I, I am now at the point where I work backwards every weekend. Somebody books the back room, and then the next email comes in, and I'm like, yeah, I can only take you up until 930. Do you want it? Yeah? Cool. Next party. I can only take you up until 
5.30. Want a daytime party? We have a DJ in the daytime. Like, and just work backwards and backfill the day. And then we're booked all day because we've made it that they don't have to, they're talking to the GM. I'm being real chill and communicative about everything. They go to other bars and they go, I want to shop around. The other bar hits them. Oh, it's going to be $3,000 for our private room. Ah, they freak out. <laughs> they come right back to the guy who was like, don't worry about it. Uh, so it's I, been I'm, great. I'm with you, too. As, you know, Obviously, we all want to remove the barriers, and I think we all think the same way here on things. Because, yes, it needs to be as easy as possible. And you're 1,000% correct that you know, no child, essentially, uh, you know, use that word loosely, uh, has that money sitting in their bank account necessarily. And, yes, they don't want to be the one caught in the middle of it if it goes south. Yeah, I'm a grown man, and I don't want to be caught in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> sure, yes. Yeah. This is facts. Yeah. Be chasing down 1200 forever. Yeah. <laughs> So the amount of work that you put in here, I have a couple quotes from, you know, some people about what you do, oh, right? Oh, yeah? That's interesting. And they go, Brenton's one of the most hands-on partners I've ever worked with. Brenton knows what needs to be done and handles a ton of back-end work to make sure everything's consistent. And then somebody else even said, Brenton's one of the most handsome barmen around Nolita and maybe greater New York City. Yeah, no, no, no. But you should have you should have set that up in the like game show format and have them try to figure, <laughs> out, figure out who, who was the who was the comment from. You get a shout out for that. But sure, sure enough, though, everybody's recurring theme is essentially that you know you're one of the hardest working men in show business, and there's a lot that tends to going into this bar and overseeing it because you do have you know that that blood and sweat and you know tears into this fucking thing. And how do you kind of maintain considering there's only seven days in a week? First of all, that's incredibly high praise coming from a guy I'm sitting across from while he's doing a podcast, also sells me for net, and also has a garnish company. So, you know, that's, like, wow, hot, kettle. Um, but uh, I, man, I, I, it's, it's, I don't know what it is, man. I, I don't come from anything. So in my mind, you get a shot at something once in your life, you fucking go. You eight mile that shit. Just go hard on it. Uh, and when I, like, Big Bar has been around before me, but it's also the first place that gave me my shot. So I'll be damned if I let this place close under my watch. The second I take over, I don't care what act of God it was. A pandemic, I don't give a fuck. This place isn't closing. <laughs> I was like, I'll do anything. And then now it's like, you know, this, there, there, there's, a, there's a weird uh, duality in the service industry where some people are like, Yo, I'm in this to get quick pay and pay for my rent and do my thing. And I respect that. That's the 80%. That's, that's, you know, there's a lot of that. But there's some people who are real goddamn professionals in this industry. And I respect the hell out of them. And, you know, the word gets around. Things stick to you. And I became pretty synonymous with this bar. And so if we started putting out a shit product, people would be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah Brian's really not giving a crap. And I'd be like, well, where am I going to go here the rest of my life? This is, this is my career. I want to do something else after this. So if I put out a shit product here, if I was running a terrible bar, what shot would I have at running my own thing? Uh, and then you got to be fair to people, man. Like my staff, you know, they came on board during the pandemic. You know, they trusted me to pay their, help pay their bills when it was kind of weird out there. And, I, and they helped me get our bills paid. So I was like, let's, let's do this for them. Let's get them a good product. Cause if they weren't able to sell a good product, they wouldn't have the customers coming back and, you know, there's there's a lot of people that depend on you, and so I was like, I, I gotta I gotta put my all into this. Uh, it's killing me, but um, it, it really I've seen what works, I've seen what doesn't work, and I don't want to keep I don't want to emulate what doesn't. work. You feel like when 
you know, you are going full-fledged, just forward, your body just adapts to just understanding, this is the day-to-day. It's the work ethic. Yeah. It is what it is. Where somebody else, if they stepped into your shoes, they go, this is fucking fatiguing. How do you do this all day? <laughs> yeah. When do you lay on the couch and just mindlessly watch The Simpsons or, you know, whatever it is? I, so my, I'm, like, as psychotic as I am about work, I'm very psychotic about downtime. Like, my downtime seems like work to other people. So I put... I have two TVs that I stack next to each other or one on top of each other. I play video games and I watch a movie. Because I'm like, I got a lot of work to do. And when I get my downtime, I'm going to catch up on everything I need to catch up on at the same time. So I played through all of The Last of Us 2 while watching, I forgot what show I was watching at the same time. But I binged the shit out of this show. I think I went through all Sopranos <laughs> while yeah, just like whacking people and just watching people get whacked. I'm like, this is crazy. That's, uh, a, that's another level I didn't even think to do. Yeah, but, dude. But now the, ne- so the next time I'm like, do I want to play... I want to play video games or I want to catch up on my TV. I'm doing, I'm Dude, doubling it. It up. helps so much. People are always like, how it, do you do it? How it do you It didn't focus? hit me that you can do both at once. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, with the ADHD mind, I can handle yeah. it. And People like, are like, how do you retain any of it? I'm like, don't you sit with your office job. Don't you sit in front of the TV while doing an Excel sheet or doing homework. That to me is more concentration. I'm like, I'm just murdering random vagrants on the street progressing through the story. <laughs> While watching, you know, Rick and Morty. <laughs> so it's just like I, I crunch uh, on my downtime. And, and grab a sandwich, up. too, on the side. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm going <laughs> to rest. I'm going to hard rest. Enjoy the show. There's a ton more coming up next, covering everything from bars to restaurants and marketing techniques to killer stories by those who fought to develop great businesses. We could use your support by clicking the Patreon link in the show notes, which helps cover the overhead and time put in to keep this show running. Make sure you hit the follow subscribe button in your podcast so that way you'll see when new shows are released.